Winning games and even championships is still the ultimate goal and measure of success for professional sports franchises. However, as a business and an entertainment destination, you'll find other attractions and places that draw the eye at each stadium. There absolutely is a dual purpose to those types of things. I would say that it's a pretty even split. I do think, obviously, baseball is steeped in its tradition and its, and its history. We want to make sure that we are honoring these people that were such a, an important part of the history of, of the game here. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and on this edition of Management Decisions, we're examining how some of the baseball-related yet off-the-field decisions are made with the Milwaukee Brewers. On the show to give us his inside information, we have Tyler Barnes, Vice President of Communications for the Milwaukee Brewers Baseball Club. Tyler, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Now, I wanted to get into a little bit of some of the -the off-the-field decisions and things that happen around Miller Park. For those who go to the games there, take a look around, you see there's plenty of stuff, items that are baseball-related but not necessarily involved with the game, things like the Walk of Fame, the statues that are out there, retired jerseys, etc. What do you see as the value and purpose of having things like this around and inside the stadium? Well, I I think you can extend that to really everything we do from the – the items you mentioned to the giveaways, to the concessions, to, you know, stunts we do. It's all designed to make sure that Miller Park is much more than just a, a venue for a baseball game. It's really, we, we want to create this as a a, a valued entertainment destination. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we can't control the wins and losses. Obviously, we're all pulling for more wins than losses. <laughs> But we can control everything else that goes into the experience. So we we want people to see Miller Park as an attraction outside of just being a, a baseball stadium. Obviously, the wins and losses really are the, the primary factor uh, determining whether or not people are going to come down here. But we want them, even if the team is struggling, we want people to understand, hey, this is a great place to come spend a, a nice summer evening. Sure. Is there a risk at all in having, quote-unquote, too many attractions or too many bells and whistles going on uh, that does detract from other aspects of what's going on with the game or what's inside the stadium, or is it really not necessarily a concern of yours? No, I think it. you, you always have to have a, a balance there. You know, ultimately, the, the primary driving factor always will be and always should be the team on the field. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're not always looking for ways to be creative in, in, in adding value to that. But to your point, I think one of the biggest challenges, sure, you, you, you do want to be streamlined in what you're doing. You want it all to be consistent with sort of a larger vision that you have. But as much as anything, it, it can become very, very difficult to draw attention to everything that you have if you overload things. Right. Um, we only have so many assets to market the team, and some of those are, are paid assets where we're uh, running advertising campaigns. Some are, are more earned media through the public relations side or through our, our game broadcasts. But you still, the, the more noise you put out there, the more difficult it is to really attract the attention of people. So we're really trying to do as many high-impact things that uh, that we can that we think are, are going to be of interest to a large number of people as opposed to being really sort of scattershot right when it comes to things that involve say former players and teams I mentioned you know retired jerseys and statues walk of fame uh, braves wall of honor i believe it is mm-hmm. 
Are those designed to sort of honor the past? Is that more seen as an entertainment aspect? Where's the balance there as far as the game and the history versus simply something for you know fans to go look at and enjoy? Sure. No, it's a great question. I, I, I think there's a there absolutely is a dual purpose to those types of things. I would say that it's a pretty even split. I mm-hmm. do think, obviously, baseball is steeped in its tradition and its, and its history. So fans are, are typically going to have an interest in seeing statues or different things that we have, like you said, the Walk of Fame, the Braves Honor Roll, the Wall of Honor that we unveiled a couple of years ago that, that really tell the story of the, the great players that made baseball so critical to the fabric of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in those, but just as importantly, we want to make sure that we are honoring these people that were, were such a uh, an important part of the history of, of the game here. So the Brewers Honor Roll was a terrific example of, of that. We we really had sort of a, a hole in in our history where the Walk of Fame is truly honoring the the greatest players and individuals that contributed to the game of baseball here in Milwaukee. But there were so many players that we had that really, you know, resonated with fans. The sure. guys that played here six, eight, ten years, maybe didn't win awards. Maybe their statistics weren't gaudy. Maybe they just had one really good year, but they they were here for three or four years. But it's it's those guys that people remember from their their childhood or from eight years ago, and they really were not well represented here at the ballpark. So mm. it was actually Craig Council's idea, and he came t- to me with it in spring training probably about four years ago and said, you know, there's this hole where there's these guys that are so important to the organization that we really haven't recognized, and there's a risk of a disconnect with that group of players. You want them to believe that, hey, when, when you wear a Brewer's uniform for three, five, seven years – you are always a brewer, and we're, we we haven't forgotten about you, and, and you always will be a brewer. So um, we thought it was a terrific idea. We unveiled it, uh, I think it was two years ago. We had about 60 players in the first class, mm-hmm. and it was based just on really more on, on tenure than than the typical how many home runs did you hit. Um, sure. And the reaction we got from the players that came in, some of these guys that had not been back in years and years and years, was incredible. And... So, yes, it's a great feature for the fans. We want the fans to spend time out there and, and, and look at the history of the team. But to bring these guys in and reconnect with them and watch them reconnect with the fans through the ceremonies we did on the field and everything, that was a really special thing for us, and I know it was a special thing for the alumni as well. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I remember seeing a lot of the highlights and all the players. I mean, I'm a lifelong Brewers fan, so it was cool to see those guys. And as you said, we all know the names, recognize the faces, and uh, I think that's a – a really important part, as you mentioned, Council bringing up that they played a role, you know, whether or not they were that successful as a team or individually, I think that is really a cool part of it. Absolutely. The other side of it then is, uh, and it's a question I get asked a lot and I don't know the answer. It's part of the reason I wanted to have you on here. I was curious about what the criteria, what the process is for something like the retired jerseys. Now, the Brewers, well, I should say the Milwaukee teams, you know, have four specifically. And then uh, for those who don't know, Jackie Robinson's 42, of course, is also retired across the league. What is that process like for considering someone's jersey or number to be retired? I've heard people ask about Cecil Cooper in the future, Ryan Braun. What is that like? What is the process? What's the conversation that goes on? 
I think you can look at retired numbers and statues really are, are one and the same. I would say there is not a hard set criteria. I okay. do think other than Commissioner Selig, who we, we know his time is coming, um, uh, all of the people that have their numbers retired or a statue have been recognized by the Hall of Fame. That, I would say, is a if you're, if you're looking for a guiding uh, principle that we look to, that certainly is is important. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to, especially when it comes to uniform numbers, retiring numbers is something that you really have to be very careful in doing. When you have a team that, that is developing a long history, and we certainly plan on having a very, very, very long history, and this is just sort of, this is really a fundamental way of looking at it, but when you are retiring a number, you are committing to that number no longer being available to be worn by your players. Right. For every team, that can be different. For the Yankees, who have so much history and so much success and so many Hall of Famers that have played on that team, um, if they were to retire the number of, of every great player that played on that team, they wouldn't have any numbers to be worn anymore. If I'm not mistaken, I think they have run out of single digits now with Jeter, I think. I might be wrong on that. <laughs> surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me. So we're certainly not at that level yet, but we also <laughs> recognize that... We also recognize that we're going to be at some point. I mean, baseball is not going anywhere. So in another 100 years, whoever's sitting in my chair or, or wherever they are, Rick Schlesinger, our chief operating officer's chair, I think they're, they're going to recognize that it was important that we've been very judicious in retiring numbers. So the Walk of Fame is, is really, you know, that, that is the next highest honor, and mm-hmm. that, that is to recognize the guys that, are you know really really fundamental contributors to the history of baseball in Milwaukee, and I I was thrilled you know when five six years ago we expanded it to the Milwaukee Braves sure. because we always felt like there was sort of a a little bit of a hole there that we we were recognizing all these great Brewers players but meanwhile there was nothing really here we did have the Wall of Honor the 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 Braves Wall of Honor um, but it it wasn't wasn't really built out very much. It, it wasn't very well known. And we wanted to make sure we, we paid tribute to those players as well. But again, if you start looking at retiring numbers of some of those players, it becomes um, even, even more of a, an issue. So we're, yes, we are, we are very selective in, in retiring numbers and building statues. And um, I, I think that's an argument that we will always make is that we, we should be very, very selective and judicious. But like you said, we're, we're not going to draw any lines in the sand and say, <laughs> um, you have to be a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. you have to have done X, Y, and Z. And that's why, you know, we thought out of the box a little bit last year with retiring uniform number one for the commissioner. Um, because, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't wear a uniform on the field, but without him, there's no baseball in Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. we have to figure out a way to do this. And so the uniform number one signifying that he was the first fan of baseball and, you know, the first fan of the Brewers made the most sense to us and and something that that we were very pleased to do. Another thing that I hear, and maybe you saw this coming at some point, I get questions a lot, social media and some of the stuff that I write, wondering why Paul Molitor doesn't have a statue. You kind of alluded to, you know, the Hall of Fame side of things, the retired jersey number, obviously, and and him being one of the top two or three players in the franchise's history, depending on how you want to rank people. 
has there been discussion of that? Is there a reason or reasons that that's been held off? Is it just being, you know, kind of patient with that? I mean, what's uh, what's that going to been like? No, I, I certainly, Paul Molitor obviously was a, a huge contributor to the game here and very important to the history of baseball in Milwaukee. You know, I, I think it is certainly fair to say that, that uh, he would be the logical next man up if we were going to do more statues. I think we, again, have just been very, very, until, uh, you know, a few years ago, we didn't have anything for Bob Euchre or the commissioner who mm-hmm. um, had each put in, at that point, 50-plus years into the game of baseball in Milwaukee. So, you know, it, 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 I think at that point there was only Yount and Aaron. So I, I wouldn't say that that anything is um, is imminent, but I also wouldn't say that, that it's something that, that isn't going to happen. I, I'm sure it will be given... A great deal of consideration. I do think, you know, by doing the two statues that we did recently, you know, it was important for us to make sure we we took a a, a step back and said, okay, we we've done this, and just make sure that we're very judicious in the considerations moving forward for who we recognize with the statues. So you would say it's not anything that's necessarily been discussed as a, a pro or a con. It's just the process that you guys are going through and, and maybe down the road, but because you've added a couple recently, it's it's sort of tabled for now, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that, it, that it's been tabled. It's just we, we it, it has not been, um, it hasn't been discussed recently. But as you said, no, it, there's nothing that has been decided one way or the other, and, and Paul certainly deserves great consideration for for an honor like that. One thing I was curious about as well, and, and you mentioned, you know, honoring the Milwaukee Braves players also, is there any issue with the Atlanta Braves, since that's technically, you know, the same franchise that moved from Milwaukee and, and you had all those great players uh, like Aaron and, and Matthews and them, is there any conflict with that? Is there any issues between the Brewers and the Braves as far as honoring them or retiring number like Aaron's or anything like that? Yeah, they stole our team. <laughs> no, we we actually we have a very good relationship with the the Braves, and um, you're actually talking to my my first job was was with the Atlanta Braves. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> back in 1987, I was a PR assistant for the Atlanta Braves, so I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for the city of Atlanta. And uh, the team wasn't very good when I was there, but <laughs> we have a very very good relationship with the Braves. Um, I actually. Interestingly enough, just uh, had a conversation yesterday with my counterpart with the Braves who was looking for to understand better what our thought process was on creating the Walk of Fame Mm -hmm. and the Wall of Honor and the different thresholds that we have for consideration in in both of those and how we determine who goes in and and when they go in. so no, I, I, there, there are absolutely no, um, no issues at all with that. We have, we have great relations with the, the Braves. I'm not sure that that could have been said back in, uh, you know, 1966 or 67 right. or anything like that. But well, they, they uh, didn't have a problem with us. We might have a problem with them. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure. That, yeah, I'm sure they were, they were fine with Milwaukee. Milwaukee maybe not fine with Atlanta, but. Um, yeah, I think it's you know we look at it as a shared history, and and certainly they they have it as you know they they look at the the Braves as as a franchise, so they go back all the way to Boston, whereas mm-hmm. we look at more of the the microcosm of the Milwaukee the time that the Braves were in Milwaukee. So 
Um, you know, the, the most important thing to us is that, just personally, I'm a big fan of the Milwaukee Braves Historical Association, and so we've worked very closely with the group that that, uh, that keeps that spirit going, and I have been a big proponent, and, and the organization is, has been a big proponent of expanding the way that we recognize the great players that were here in the Braves era, even though I wasn't born <laughs> when they moved, so I don't have a deep personal tie to mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Braves, but I recognize by being here and listening to people how important that team is to this city and that we owe them all the due consideration for, for recognizing the important part that they played in, in getting baseball off the ground here. Well, I was born in 82, so I didn't really get to enjoy kind of those uh, glory years of the Brewers, if you yeah. will. So I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to this building up process uh, with Stearns and company. So hopefully uh, me too. Hopefully, we get to see that as well. Uh, Tyler, I appreciate the time that you've given us. You know, It's really interesting to hear some of the processes that go on and, and obviously your insight and experience with the Brewers. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to tout or mention that you know is a nice attraction there, maybe something people aren't necessarily aware of at this point no i you know i think the one thing that i would like to say is we we always really value hearing from the fans and there is a there's a link through our website for fan feedback obviously people connect with us through all the various social platforms um everything from twitter snapchat instagram facebook we really value their opinions and and a lot of our uh, ideas every year have the genesis of, you know, if we're hearing that numerous people want a bobblehead of, of someone, why haven't you done this? Hmm. Um, a, a lot of our, our thought processes are stirred by hearing from the fans. And so we never want to have a disconnect with the, the fans, and we, we always encourage them, let us know what we're doing right, let us know what we're doing wrong. Let it, Most importantly, let us know what you'd like us to do down the road to make this a better entertainment experience and encourage you to come out to the ballpark. Perfect. That sounds great. Hopefully uh, fans will do that, and I'm sure you get plenty of feedback from them uh, throughout the course of the year. So, Tyler, thank you very much for joining us. Again, appreciate your insight into all this. Great. Thanks, Tim. Unfortunately, that will wrap things up on this edition of Management Decisions and our conversation with Tyler Barnes, Vice President of Communications for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you have any feedback for us on this or any of our episodes, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at the LJN, and you can find all of our shows on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio. Thank you once again for joining. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.